This week we're coming to you all with the topic of science and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the origin of science um, and maybe even get into a little bit about common science and, and where this all came from but I think the origin of science is, is more where we're vibing for this episode. So I'm going to actually kick it right to Aiden to start off with um, on the idea of the origin of science and where did science come from. Yeah, so the origin of science, where did science come from? Um, yeah, that's a, a, a tough question um, because, I mean, there's just so much to it, right? And it's, and it's been a tradition for hundreds of years now. Um, but yeah, I think it's a deeply human process. Um, and I think uh, there's, it's definitely been institutionalized lately um so the phd was only um i mean in the history of mankind a pretty recent invention um so a lot of people would just do backyard science starting off like charles darwin he would do some experiment experiments just in his backyard and um and then obviously when he was on the uh, hms beagle he was uh, doing his own observations but he didn't have an advanced degree so there's a lot to it and a lot to unpack, but I'm just, yeah, I'm going to kick it over to Dre and hear what his his research brought him to on the origin of science and where it came from. I love that you talked about Darwin just kind of like walking through his backyard, and that is definitely how a lot of great scientists started, and it reminds me of, it's kind of it's like when you start a business out of your garage, like your mom's basement or something, it's kind of like that. It's just like humble beginnings. I love that. But it reminds me of Piaget, super famous developmental um, scientist or psychologist scientist, mm-hmm. super influential. And he would call kids little scientists. He would say, we're all little scientists. And that was actually, I actually thought about that when we were naming the common science, common scientists. I was thinking about little scientists. And he thought like, naturally, we're all curious. We're all constantly experimenting with the world. And he did a lot of studies with watching young kids, babies, newborns, and noticing like, hmm, like it doesn't seem like they have a sense of self. It doesn't seem like they know that that's their hand in front of their face. They're just constantly reaching out and not having any, not, they don't know language, they don't know how anything works, they don't even know that, they're, that they are something, they don't even know that their hands are their hands, their feet are their feet, so they're constantly in experimentation and trying to interact with their environment and one thing i've kind of heard said about babies too that kind of i get a kick out of it is like it's probably pretty traumatizing for them when they get a little bit older and people start telling them no and they have to get disciplined because when they're newborns they're like little gods like whatever noise they make these giant beans come rushing <laughs> and they just give them like food and burps and changes and whatever they need all they have to do is make like a noise and you know they get little giant servants running around helping them out. So I, I don't know. <laughs> that's where my mind went. So that's super cool. So yeah, Piaget's a little scientist. Super dope. Look into that. And interesting. So the, the word scientist is pretty new, actually. Um, just, I think, the 19th century is when they start calling them that. Before, it was, nade, it was natural philosophers. So that's where... That's what really kind of interests me mm-hmm. is when we're talking about the origins of science is philosophy because philosophy used to kind of be like a blanket term for 
any like, smart person really you're just like oh yeah. like are you looking at animals philosopher are you thinking about god philosopher yeah are you looking at the stars philosopher and it was just kind of like everything it was like you know if you were a thinker you were a philosopher if you were what you know feel love of and then um you know the love of wisdom it's kind of like what philosophy is yeah i think just talking about philosophy and specifically like the phonetics, right? The name mm-hmm. philosophy or philosopher is interesting because even still, while academia is, I think, now more divided than it ever has been, still mostly when you get your four-year degree beyond your undergrad, you have your PhD, right? Your mm-hmm. doctorate of philosophy. So it's interesting now, I think there's such this war between disciplines and like you said, like if you're a thinker way back or not that far back, I guess you, you were just a thinker, you were a philosopher, you mm-hmm. were a, and now a scientist, a common scientist. Yeah, yeah. A common scientist. Definitely. We all are. And that's, you know, shout out to Aiden, that little anecdote about um, Darwin. That just, it's just common scientists, man. You just walk around, you know, thinking about life, not taking things for granted, just thinking that there's something more than just what meets the eye. It's really cool. And some of the things, um, I came upon in my research were kind of interesting. So thinking about what were some of the first very evident signs of, and long lasting signs of science. So for example, dogs were domesticated 20 to 40,000 years ago, which is kind of crazy because that's before agriculture. So it's like, we've been kicking it with the homies for a hot minute. (laughs) So I was like, that's pretty dope. Like we haven't even been homo sapien sapien, which I just learned actually is that we are actually homo sapien sapien. I didn't know that. I thought we were just homo sapiens. I had no, no clue, so I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> but, oh um, yeah, so we are a subspecies. You're, you're, you're not, pretty dumb? You're not, you're not, you're not How dumb. How many people d- do you think know that it's homo sapiens sapiens? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys know? No, I had no idea. Oh yeah, so we are a subset of homo sapiens called homo sapiens sapiens. Now, what does sapien mean? Like knowledge or something like that? Like intelligence, something like that. Yeah, something about having knowledge. Like so we're that. just like the most knowledgeable of the knowledgeable men. Because <laughs> like, that was yeah. pretty funny. Um, shout out to ASAP Science um, on Instagram. They really, they, they're the ones that taught me that. And it's two like gay guys that do it. Yeah. And he was like, so I'm homo, homo sapien sapien. So boom, <laughs> I am. Like, you just did like That's somebody. Awesome. I can't do it justice, but subscribe to them. Watch their stuff. They're super fire. Um, but yeah, so dogs domesticated. Agriculture like 10,000 years ago. Cattle mm-hmm. like 10,500 years ago. So... That's pretty tight. Like, I always wonder, like, who was just, like, watching a baby cow suck on a cow's nipple and was just like, you know, I'm going to try that, too. I always yeah. wonder, like, how, how, who was that brave, disturbed soul? Like, who was that guy? I think, too, I mean, the idea of gravity, like, thinking of someone just watching an apple, yes. right? Like, that's the, the genius story that we hear, like, and questioning, why does the apple fall? And if we look at, like, if we look at the apple falling, can we measure a constant, right? And then we figured out that there was this constant and that gravity, like, accelerated toward the Earth at 9.8 meters per second squared or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that idea that that originated from a question, I think, is really powerful and is often lost, right? We're just taught to regurgitate information when we think of science right Mm -hmm. now, I think. And this origin is was much more tied to asking questions about the world. And it makes me sad, too, when I'm out and about and I hear a kid ask an awesome question. And sometimes parents will or whoever they're with will just, like, shush them. 
or they don't have an answer. Um, or it's a crazy question, right? Like, but who knows? Maybe the kid is the next one to figure out some other mathematical constant. Yeah, that reminds me a lot um, about, so a lot about my research uh, coming into this episode. Um, so firstly, uh, Thomas Kuhn was a historian of science, and he's famous for uh, talking about this, uh, the difference between revolutionary science and um, more like traditional science. And what he was saying is that um, like we'll have this understanding of the world um, that's based on some of these assumptions. Um, and it'll take somebody questioning the authority at the, of the time and being like, oh, no, actually, these assumptions are wrong. And once that happens, then there becomes like this revolution of, of more rapid um, understanding and um, yeah, just more questions that arise, more uh, experiments that are ran and, and a better understanding of the world. Um, so he viewed it less of this like plodding along and more of this like revolutionary um, process where um, people will have like this common understanding um, and then we'll have to address the assumptions at some point and, and um, make our way forward from there. Um, yeah, so I was just like bringing that up. Um, another thing too that I think is funny, um, you're, ta you're talking about science being presented and, and people regurgitating information mm -hmm. on tests or whatever it is um, and how yeah it is important to ask questions of the authorities of the time and like and not shush those kinds of questions because i have an awesome awesome quote here so this was um this was a dialogues concerning the two chief world systems and so this was when uh the debate was happening between galileo who who was proposing that the earth was at um or the sun was at the center of our um, galaxy, whereas uh, the former system was uh, proposing that the Earth was the one that was stationary, and so. Um, so let's to... let me give you just okay. like a little perspective then. Yeah. So there's these two old dudes. They're both white, right? Yep. As tradition in science, seemingly, unfortunately. So there's these two old dudes, and you can you can kind of picture it, right? They're they're sitting across from each other. They're maybe like. They're probably lit up with something or drinking something as it was in the time. And and they're philosophizing, right? Like they're they're jabbing at each other. They're maybe asking each other some questions. And they're talking about whether the earth is revolving around something or whether everything else is revolving around the world, right? So this crazy idea that in their time they couldn't prove. Now, we all know now that the Earth is within the solar system that's revolving around the sun. So this is the context of that conversation, and they're arguing about this, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, Galileo, again, revolutionizing the system, saying like, oh, yeah, actually, the Earth is the one that's revolving around the sun. Um, so there's Simplicio, who's in defense of the Aristotelian or in support of Aristotle's view. So this old Greek guy, like hundreds of years earlier, he's in support of that view of the earth being stationary. And then there's Salviati, who is in support of the Galileo view. Um, so Simplicio says, but if Aristotle is to be abandoned, 
whom shall we have uh, for a guide in philosophy? Suppose you name some author. And then Salviati says, we need guides in forests and in unknown lands, but on plains and in open places, only the blind need guides. It is better for such people to stay at home, but anyone with eyes in his heads and his wit in his head and his wits about him could serve as a guide for them. In saying this, I do not mean that a person should not listen to Aristotle. Indeed, I applaud the reading and careful study of his works, and I reproach only those who give themselves up as slaves to him in such a way as to subscribe blindly to everything he says. Um, so he's just obviously Salviati's kind of bashing Simplicio here, but um, it's just is a reminder too. Like, yeah, even Aristotle, brilliant man, we still talk about him today, thousands of years later. Um, but he had some stuff wrong. So it's important to evaluate the original text and, and be a common scientist. Um, what were your reactions to, to that, Dre? That, first of all, sick burn, bro. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love those high-level sophisticated burns. I'm just like, that sounds like it was funny. <laughs> but, yeah, heliocentrism. Galileo, he was, um, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Not, not banished, but essentially banished, right? Mm-hmm. He was put in exile because mm-hmm. of that. He was put under house arrest, house arrest. I believe. Okay, so yeah. essentially, yeah, they were trying to lock him up. He was too fucking smart and too important for them to like <laughs> kill off in exile, but they're probably like, all right, just stay in your room and stop messing with people. Right? Yeah. Kind of like Socrates. The, yeah. You know, the gadfly. I, um, love, I love this idea of... He says, but on plains and in open places, only the blind need guides. And that that line really sticks out to me because I think often we end up following, right? There is some person who says something, whether it's about science or even about politics, whatever it is. And a big majority of our population ends up following kind of blindly without asking questions. And, and so I think it's, it is just really powerful to think about that. Only the blind need guides and to challenge yourself, right? Are you blind? Are you following science blindly? Are you following something blindly? Um, that was what stuck out to me, to me the most. Yeah, I understand it. 100% agree and that just I mean man the power of asking questions is insane it really is just that simple to be a scientist to be a common scientist ask a question like yeah is this right I, I just I'm so stuck like that's what Newton Galileo Aristotle all those guys they boggle my mind I mean how many lifetimes that I've had to live before I was like I think we're going around the sun like, I think that's right like I'm just <laughs> yeah. I would never like why did that apple fall like why do every time I jump I come back why don't I just keep going up like, I never would have, I, don't, I just don't believe I would ask that question. So I love those guys. And even like Aristotle, wrong about a ton, right? Mm-hmm. Even like Plato and all those guys talking about, they have all these ideas about the male soul. And then it was like the deformed soul became the female. And yeah. females are like a lesser version of men and this and that. And I'm pretty sure now, don't, aren't like gametes, whatever they're called, aren't, aren't they at first female? Uh, Before like the testosterone? I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm t- Anyways. Do your research. <laughs> Uh, but whatever it's funny but i still love you know so many of these guys were wrong so many usually men um were wrong they're so smart and it's so cool to see their processing and to understand that we are standing on the shoulders of giants we never mm-hmm. would have got to where we are and been able to call their ideas stupid without their ideas right so that's super tight and freud always comes to mind because obviously psych major and i always, mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of times my Professors, like, they didn't do Freud do justice. I mean, Freud is one of the smartest men to ever live. He was insane, but he was a genius. And 
there's too much of like, oh, that idea was kooky. That was whack. Like this, but not enough focus on like without him, there mm-hmm. is no psychology. Yeah. And Freud, man, he, he's remarkable along with a lot of these kind of older thinkers. And I think, I don't know, man. I don't know. My favorite thing about the origin of science, I think when you're talking about, yeah, these old yeah. sort of souls or philosophers and these foundations that modern day science stands on is that then science was messy. There was more of a willingness because there was less maybe proof or less of a push for data that you could have. Oh, wow. you just shout. Siri's just, just, <laughs> just <laughs> dipping in. It happens. Um, but, Stop listening. <laughs> no. But that it it was allowed to be messy, and you could question authority more. Um, I think, and so then all of a sudden, now fast forward, I was working in a cancer research lab, and if I questioned authority, man, I had to be fearful. Like. It, it's it's wild in my opinion and, and when I think back to the origin of science this messiness entices me and I wonder why we've come so far away from that it makes me sad I think because it's clinicalized and sterilized science and then I don't even think it's always science yeah I think what you're just saying there too about the clinicalized clinicalization and the sterilization of science a lot, a lot of times it's it's said that we as scientists need to be unbiased objective. and objective and we need to do it from to like stay out of politics and all these other hot button topics right but i mean yeah going back to the start of it all and it was just a very human process and i think um something that is definitely lost is people being people and like and bringing up oh yeah like I have this whole story of these failed experiments and all of that instead it's very I mean right now it's it's very much focused on this polished published paper in the institution of science at least um but bringing it back to more so the the every day and and we you Lauren you touched on this at the very start too this idea of um, common science and mm-hmm. where this podcast and what our thoughts are of common scientists I think it's really important to bring back the human into science and and make it entertaining and bring it back to your everyday life too so whether it be experimenting with the new diet or mm-hmm. or whatever it is yeah and I think in my opinion when we talk about common science and the origin of science I think if there's anyone who should have an opinion on the world, whether it's politics or sex or who knows what, it should be a thinker, right? I think if there's anyone who should be willing to have an opinion that's not objective, I think it should be science, right? I I really have a problem with that delineation that it'll be like church versus science or state versus science or whatever it is that if we're all thinkers and we're trying to achieve a better world for for people for the planet that we should have as common scientists opinions on things like gun control on things like politics i mean what what have you that are in the best interest then of people on our planet is kind of a interesting thought because often these big institutions namely Mayo Clinic the number one (laughs) institution in the world 
doesn't often have a public point of view on on lots of these issues and maybe if they did the world could look different mm. yeah that that uh, male clinic shots fired um <laughs> that's kind of interesting because there's a lot of that stay in your lane mentality and mm-hmm. i think just in humanity right but even with the sh- do you guys know about the shut up and dribble stuff so when a lot of obviously the world america we're in a weird place right now and specifically last season during the bubble NBA playoff tournament stuff. A lot of these NBA players are standing up and speaking, and it's been a huge thing. Like LeBron James a huge, is a huge activist, stuff like that. So it's been like really bubbling up, no pun intended, in the NBA. But there was like these like Fox um, news people that were like telling them to shut up and dribble and stay in your lane and stuff like that. And I think that works on, it works with like oppressors, but it also works with like, like you were saying, with companies deciding because it's for their brand and it's for the best of this and that but it's like is it for the best for humanity yeah is what you were getting at and that's a that's really really tough and i agree i really wish a lot of these big corporations a lot of people with a lot more power would do more say more um contribute to the field and the marketplace of ideas yeah yeah i i it drives me crazy how polarized like democrat versus republican becomes no matter what topic comes up Mm -hmm. and i think that if science if philosophy if people had more to say rather than red versus blue the world would look different and i think that goes back to the origin of science and just asking questions and bringing people together and i want and i hope that science can be something that does that and hopefully common science yeah yeah hopefully common science (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely so thinking of the origin of this podcast i want to throw it to aiden i'd love to hear like what was your dream um that we could accomplish or or what were you hoping yeah so for the listeners who don't know um this podcast had been like kind of a seed in my mind um, and I wasn't exactly sure how it would turn out. Um, I had talked about um, a few different ideas and uh, Lauren, my partner, I had uh, talked some about the ideas and and Dre, one of my really good friends, we had a couple beers. He's into sci-fi talking about the future and science and all these other crazy topics and um i had talked to him uh, a while back about like the idea oh we should just like record our conversations and make a podcast um and yeah i mean i i can't take all the credit though because my idea was like oh like we're a scientist it doesn't have as much of a ring to it as the common science when we all got to the table and just like bringing different viewpoints to the table um yeah i mean it it kind of flourished as as the three of us sat down and started brainstorming asking uh, questions yeah talking about the world yeah um yeah i think that's just like the moral of the story to me is just the more ideas and perspectives you have at the table the the better something will look and the better the creation will look yeah i think too with common science we're implementing three aspects of science scientific method um in large part i think what's always on our minds is of course asking questions Mm -hmm. um 
and then also experimenting it's like where that's why we try to preface a lot of times like go do your own research look into things don't just take our word for it we're just here to bring you know shifting over 10 windows and just bring things to mind hopefully we hit you guys with something new and interesting but in general like we're just experimenting right we're researching and then we're kind of talking and seeing and testing our ideas and sometimes i say something and Lawrence says something oh like okay like you're right aiden hits us with like a dope ass question and we're just like <laughs> dang yeah to think about that (laughs) you know so just like man definitely research whatever research means to you doesn't have to be like wormholes and all that but even like walking in taking a walk and just noticing things right Mm -hmm. um and then asking questions and experimenting and it's been a lot of fun with i have a question now for you guys what comes to mind lauren when you think of or when you hear alchemy what comes to mind blackness like i see yeah i don't that's it okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious like uh, that image i think in a in a similar line of thought i think of like a dark wizard in a tower somewhere like mixing up something yeah um yeah but what comes to mind when you think of the word alchemy dre a lot um <laughs> <laughs> i've always been fascinated with alchemy shout out to the book the alchemist too paulo coelho good book so um, if you were to give a definition for our listeners um i don't even know alchemy is just it's i would say it's the predecessor to modern science and it's kind of like you guys kind of brought up magic a little bit it, it is kind of hard to distinguish it from magic it's pretty similar and the reason why i think it's similar to magic is because number one it's it's kind of like if we bought a cell phone 200 years ago. That's not technology to them. That's science, that's magic, right? It's too right. far beyond their thoughts. So that's where it's kind of like magic too. Where it's like you're dealing with things that are far beyond your understanding. Mm-hmm. And then number two, there wasn't very good. There wasn't scientific method, right? This is pre-scientific method for the most part, pre 1500s, like 500 BC to 1500s. And so a lot of it was just kind of random. Like for example, um, the guy who discovered phosphorus. I'm blanking on his name, but he was just boiling pee. <laughs> like, like, he was just raw. Like, he was, he was an alchemist. He was trying to figure out, you know, certain properties. And, okay, and if you, I guess if you guys don't know much about alchemists, alchemists, they were essentially trying to do a couple of things. Their main thing was creating chrysopia. Chrysopia is the transmutation of any metal into gold. So many of us have heard of the Philosopher's Stone. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is mm-hmm. the first book. In America, we changed it to the Sorcerer's Stone. It's actually the Philosopher's Stone. There's also one of the greatest anime of all time is Full Metal Alchemist, where they're trying to find the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. So the Philosopher's Stone is can turn anything into gold, right? Very noble, <laughs> right? Very noble ambition. They were also trying to do things called like the Alkahes. The Alkahes was a, was a universal solvent, so something that can dissolve any property or any material. Mm-hmm. Something called the Elixir of Immortality, so everyone wants to live forever. Panaceas, so one thing that can heal any disease and then they were also focused on gnosis which is like knowledge Mm -hmm. and the purification of the soul and body so that's what alchemy was really trying to do and that's what i really like about it it's like it it was science but they were just like dealing with too many unknown variables and then also their ambitions were just too high it was like well maybe they weren't i don't know modern science is getting kind of crazy but their ambitions were crazy high like purifying the soul and making gold out of water and 
yeah. you know, rock and this and that. And it's like, now we know that's not how elements work. But, but yeah, I think something that comes um, from that thought is like, if we were in their shoes, though, that's like, that's what makes sense because that's the world system. Um, so that's like something that, because something that I think is often, I mean, you're talking about Freud too, like how a lot of your pro- professors will be like, oh, Floyd was crazy. And mm-hmm. it's like, there is definitely something that I've just, discovered is just there's definitely some truth to like myths um yeah and and all of that um yeah so that was just what i was reminded of is that it's just like a different way of describing how reality works in a lot of ways um but yeah lauren have you discovered the sorcerer's stone no man wouldn't that be nice (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I think, though, a lot of things, um, speaking of, like, modern-day Chrysopeia and the Philosopher's Stone, and it's kind of the book series that I'm writing, shameless plug, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there isn't a Philosopher's Stone as of yet in it, but it's kind of playing off the idea that now almost nothing is out of, out of, like, bounds for science or science fiction, right? It's like, it seems like the possibilities are endless. As long as we don't blow each other up, and we don't destroy our the earth before we can get off of it it's like possibilities are endless and there's things that remind me of the philosopher's stone or what the alchemists were trying to get at are things like artificial diamonds or synthetic diamonds mm-hmm. cloning mm-hmm. things like that that are like whoa like grown lab grown meat yeah it's like hold up like if you did yeah. this a thousand years ago a hundred years ago even but yeah. you did this not like this was magic yeah. yeah, and even still, people are really skeptical. So um, Aiden and I have talked about marriage, and one thing that comes up, right, are like a diamond ring, and um, for a lot of reasons. But we were just talking about like what is the value of a real diamond, whatever that means, versus one that was made in a lab, like a synthetic diamond, and um, I mean, being a common scientist I, I don't really care where the diamond comes from when and if it comes but like <laughs> I think that that's like is something interesting because even still there are lots of women or men who would not think that it's real they'd be like oh well that's not a real diamond I was like but isn't it though right whether it was formed in the ground and like pined after and blood was lost after it or like this like old dude made it in a lab isn't it is it not diamond yeah. So it's interesting, like, you're like, oh, that's, people will say, oh, that's magic. And maybe people won't say, oh, that's magic now, but they'll, they'll still say, oh, that's not a real diamond. Yeah, that reminds yeah. Oh, go ahead, Aiden. Um, oh, I was just going to say, too, to your point, Dre, about, um, like, it seems like the future, or like the bounds of science are, are unlimited. Um I think it's only limited by the human imagination in a lot of ways um, as we get into things like, I mean, thanks to a lot of the advances in digital technology, um, like the idea of 3D printing, like being able to Mm -hmm. 3D print. Yeah, I think too, like the limits of our own imagination. And I think something that is often not given enough credit is that a lot of often I think people with the most imagination aren't traditional quote-unquote scientists 
And one example of this is um, a moment that I probably, I don't think I'll ever forget. A person who's really close to all three of us um, brought up the idea of making a more safe version of cheese out of breast milk instead of animal milk. And I was, I, it was such a profound and interesting thought, and I had never heard anything like that, had never thought of anything like that, and it came from someone without a college education. And I think these ideals of thinkers and scientists or whatever, we often also think are people with labels behind their names. And um, man, yeah, I think when we think about the bounds of science, it's going to come from people who lack creativity. Those bounds are drawn when you lack creativity. And the most creative thinkers that I know are often people who don't have formal science education. Um, yeah, that just was a thought that came to my mind. Yeah, I'm sure the alchemist didn't have a PhD after his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, PhD is new thing. Science, scientist, the word, you know, the profession, new thing. So I, that's a great point, and I 100% agree with that. And we, there's, so there's a very common thing with debunking very famous psychological studies and other sort of studies that have been like popularized and taken as canon. And now we go back and we can see the confounding variables. And you look at them and they stick out like a sore thumb and you're like, why didn't this person see it? But they're so laser focused and they're in echo chambers a lot of time and they have biases and even though they're geniuses and a lot of what they do is groundbreaking, there's something that they can just overlook because of this or sometimes they can even be purposely overlooking them. But so that's a good point. It's just like a lot of times when you get indoctrinated into like a liberal school or a private school or this or that, it's like you think now how everybody else who went through that school system in general thinks, right? Like there are certain barriers or there's a certain arrogance or there's a certain something that you're kind of locked into. Whereas someone with any sort of different background, a child, uh, whatever, someone without a college degree, they're going to have a different thought and they're going to be able to ask a different question. And maybe one that seems very logical, right? Right. Um, and, you know, so very fascinating. And I, and I love that idea. And like we've been talking about all these old school philosophers, like, and scientists, they just decided, like, that's what they're going to do. Like, that's all they did. They're just yeah. like, hey, we're going to ask a question, and we're going to look at this, and we're, we're not going to, we don't need to go to the school. And that reminds me of Zeno, the um, founder of Stoicism, correct, Aiden? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, well, he's but... one of the main Stoics, okay. one of the founding, okay. yeah, like, I'm first people. With him, exactly. So, but... he, so Stoicism comes from the Stoa, which is kind of like this porch, or like this kind of area where people would discuss mm -hmm. ideas, and this and that, and argue, and... You know, people didn't have anything better to do back in yeah. <laughs> whatever, I don't even know, 2000 BC, some ridiculous thing, a <laughs> um, long time ago. Um, they didn't have much better to do. And it was, Zeno, he was all, it was all free and he would just sit on his porch on the stoa and just argue and converse and ask questions and philosophize and discuss ideas and science and stuff like that back there, philosophy mm -hmm. back then. And anybody and all were welcome and he would teach people for free and it was just free ideas. And like, I do think teachers and professors should get paid, but I just love that idea that he was like, I'm not patenting this stuff. I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm not forcing the rich kids to parents to pay or anything like that and the poor to be dumb. Anybody can step on this front stoop and I will teach them. And you guys can teach me right back. I love that idea. Wow. I think that's super powerful. And I hope that our podcast continues to emulate that. Um, it was one thing that we had talked about, right, is like, how does our podcast gain sustainability? And ads are an example of that, right? Like, if you have X number of followers, you can have ads. But it's something that I am really resistive of because it 
can inundate or it can just take over um, some of the flow, some of the learning, some of the questions. And I mean, who knows what the future holds, but I love that idea that like, if you show up here, I will teach you. If you show up to our podcast, I hope you will learn something like regardless whether you identify with Democrats or Republicans or science or not, if you have an education, if you don't have an education, whatever that means to you, all of those things that like you can show up here and you can walk away having learned something. Who knows if it pissed you off, if you agree, if you disagree, and who cares? But if you walk away and you learned something, like we've done our job. If you even think something, if it, like you said, if it changes your perspective even a little bit, like, yeah, wow, that's just really, really resonates with me and what I hope we can accomplish. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, just uh, getting people to think harder and and have these conversations. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a great, great example, Dre, is just this idea of open, more open knowledge, open access, more voices at the table, more, like, if, like, obviously the business models can be challenging in that in that regard in terms of open access scientific journals especially Mm -hmm. that's something that i've looked at but um yeah if we can find a way to be uh sustainable and um keep the conversation open um i'm all for it yeah and i think in in a polarized world right now in 2021 I want to believe too that we can have more conversations like this in our living rooms and across the US and across the world, but specifically the US when I'm thinking of polarization, um, of showing up together to think together, to be together, to be human together, to philosophize together. And that was the beauty, I think, of the origin of philosophy and then science and now I think we've come so and now far common away. Science. And now common <laughs> shameless plug. I think we come away from that and it's sad as a society. Small problems we're solving small, here. Uh, small problems. <laughs> <laughs> One podcast at a time. <laughs> One podcast at a time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something to learn from. Um, the other thing that I've just. Uh, discovered too is that there is something to learn from anyone and everyone and that kind of comes back to the idea that we talked about in the beauty episode um where we talked about just everyone being beautiful everybody has uh thoughts that add value to the world um granted they might not be the most like some of them might not be the most accurate but they definitely have thoughts that um add value to the world and oftentimes i mean Lauren, you talk about the polarization and there's in the U.S. that it's a big problem. Um, oftentimes the answer is somewhere in the middle and it requires coming to the table, discussing, having conversations and yeah, pushing the needle forward. Agreed. Agreed. We got to be able to admit when we're wrong. And a lot of it is just really hard because it's human nature to, especially in the Western world where we identify so strongly with our beliefs and our, you know, we don't, we're not a collective society um, is what I'm getting at. We have to be able to admit that we're wrong and that like, or we don't know, like, I don't know powerful words. (laughs) We should get used to saying them. Um, I need to get used to them. Like I'm super headstrong and stubborn and 
I love to argue, um, but <laughs> yeah, so we definitely just got to get used to that. And I think that's what's so cool about science is that it's like constantly proving yourself wrong or like less wrong and like hoping mm-hmm. you're less wrong next time. And I think mm-hmm. that's so dope. And then even you can be wrong, like when Einstein proved Newton wrong, Newton, Newton, Newton physics and Newton is still like the smartest guy of all time. And we all love him and adore him. He's amazing. But it's like, you're wrong, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Newton was wrong. And that's just awesome. It's like you yeah. could be the smartest guy of all time and be wrong. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just uh, maybe like refine that too. Be wrong in some sense, right? Right in like many ways, but then be wrong in some pretty key aspects. Um, yeah, I just want to. Don't want Newton. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. I was <laughs> only talking. It wasn't all wrong. No, 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 no. no. Uh, I was saying I one specific thing that, that. I, yeah, <laughs> Einstein relativity um, proved wrong about Newton's physics. But yeah, no, yeah. Newton's a genius and he's a lot of his things still stand for sure. Yeah. Great, great call. Everybody's like, wait, what? Newton's wrong. <laughs> Everybody's just like, the universe collapses. Like, there's no longer friction or inertia. <laughs> like, it's like calculus is dumb. <laughs> uh... Oh, good call. <laughs> See, that's one of those things I was locked in. I needed an outside perspective to be like, hey, hold up. (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. Well, with that, I think we're at about time. And I hope this podcast this week encouraged you to think a little bit differently about science and what we think in the modern day world of as science. And you as a listener, too, are a common scientist. And you can go home and ask questions with your partner, talk to your family about something, philosophize, come up with a crazy idea, and just toss it out there and see what people think. And that's the beauty of common science and being a common scientist. So that's it for this week. Make sure to subscribe, share, support us on Patreon, give us some shouts out on your social media. Otherwise, we will see you next week.